Uh, So this week, we're finishing up our sermon series talking about what is the future of the church. Uh, The first week, we talked about authenticity, um, how with an emerging population with finely tuned BS detectors, we have to finally become really honest and have meaningful, authentic conversations in our speech, in our relationships. Then the second week, we talked about decentering the church, about how rather than keeping the church building as the center of our world, uh, we should instead locate ourselves out in our community, in the everyday places of life. And then last week, we talked about transformation, how because of the increasing competition of nonprofits and the higher standards that brings, if we stand any chance for people to buy into the church, we have to be effective. And that looks like transformation of lives and the world. This week, we're going to take up the theme of humility. Uh, we talk a ton about humility as a church, and its opposite, pride. Uh, Augustine, one of the great, greatest Christian theologians in history, called pride the arch sin, the sin that explains all other sins. Um, and we talk so much about being humble, about not thinking too highly of yourself, valuing others as much as you do yourself, all this kind of stuff. We weave this theme of humility into what we say a ton. However, all of that is on an individual level. On the level of organizations, and specifically on, in the organization of the church itself, on that level, we don't particularly follow our advice, which is a massive understatement. This pride plays out on so many different levels. So on the interreligious level, uh, the church as a whole has no semblance of humility. It assumes we're the best, and the only religion of value, that everybody else is wrong or even satanic. This is the very impulse that was behind such things as the Crusades. We're right, you're wrong. That gives us legitimization to come and pillage you. And and this lack of humility comes out in violence, both physical violence, but also violence against others' character, values, integrity. And then zoom in a level to just within Christianity. There's virtually no humility between denominations. That's part of what goes into a church splitting off to form a new denomination. It's the sense that I'm right and you're wrong and we can no longer live together. This has led to major debates around topics like baptism and LGBTQ acceptance and something as boring as like church structure And if there's no humility on a denominational level, then there's certainly not a ton around local churches. I mean, many of us fundamentally see ourselves in competition with other churches. Uh, This is why, as we've mentioned before, churches try to poach people from other church congregations. It's fundamentally just transfer growth. It's not actually making any substantive difference in the community. And then pride is present even in the ways that congregations value themselves. A lot, think, a lot of them think a lot about numbers in terms of congregations. How many people do we have? 
And if we have 200 people and you have 100 people, then clearly we're doing better, right? There's all sorts of posturing that goes into this explicitly and implicitly. So as much as we love telling individuals to be humble, on an institutional level, we are not following our advice in the slightest. And that doesn't particularly fly with this new emerging culture. Remember, uh, we've been looking at how the types of cultural shifts that have been happening over the recent decades are more than just normal generational change. It's this type of paradigm shift, a complete reorientation of what we think and know and how we think it. And so if the church wants to have any semblance of a chance of resonating with this new culture, it must, uh, it must too, undergo a major reorientation in how it thinks and acts. Uh, We've heard a lot of Jeremiads in the recent past crying out about postmodernism and uh, its degrading effects on the church and that nobody will come to church anymore because there's no idea of truth and all this kind of stuff. Well, okay, if you hang out in my circles, you do. Um, which has a kernel of truth but really is really crazy. But what is true about this is that this new emerging culture has no patience for people who are too big for their britches. Modernity, especially through the 20th century, saw so many institutions who basically thought they were infallible and omnipotent and were the best thing since sliced bread. And the church was foremost among these organizations. And this new emerging culture rightly called that out. So if we as a church continue to try and peddle that kind of narrative, that we're the absolutely best thing in the world and that there's no such thing as truth, but through our way, we have no chance of surviving this cultural shift, much less thriving through it. When we are grandiose and pompous and arrogant and exclusive and assume that we're better than everybody else, we've already lost this new emerging culture. So in order to work with this culture, we in the church need to start taking our own medicine and learn humility that we're not the be-all, end-all. Something that I find fascinating is in the history of the world, there have been maybe 40 million churches. And of those 40 million churches, we've had only a handful that have lasted a thousand years. The majority top out at about 100 to 200 years. Every church has a natural life cycle, and that includes birth and death for every church. Every church that is not, say, Notre Dame or St. Peter's is going to die. We are, and yet, we act as the institutional church as if we're invincible as if we're the best thing that's ever happened, as if God can't do anything in the world without us. And partly, this comes out in our theology. On a purely pragmatic level, churches will not be able to survive with an employment-based model 
if they insist that they are the only helpful or worthwhile or meaningful path to truth. Purely practically, they will die out institutionally because they won't be able to get enough support monetarily from the culture. But I think that we need to go far beyond the pragmatism there. That we need to embrace others more fully than we have in the past. Our tradition does have resources to think about theology in a more expansive way. A theology to say something beyond Christians go to heaven and everybody else goes to hell. And on the ground, this expansive theology, this humble theology, looks like partnering. If the church is actually humble, it can actually assess the organizational resources it has access to to create the type of transformation God wants in our communities. It's partnering with other churches, not duplicating services. If someone has a food pantry, rather than making your own, it's partnering with them. Maybe even having multiple churches come together for, say, a youth group. Humility looks like partnering with other religions, not only by coming together for dialogue, but working for the common betterment of the community that God wants to see flourish. Humility looks like partnering with other organizations that are not religious. Not saying, for example, we need a Christian version of this because the secular one is bad or evil. Humility looks like us finding where God is at work in the world and joining all other interested parties to work cooperatively for the betterment of our whole world. And humility also looks like owning up to the past harms that we have done. Look, the future of the church is diverse, um, especially, for example, racially. So A, society in many ways is continuing to become desegregated, and so, albeit very, very slowly, the church is also moving in that direction. And B, as interracial marriage gets more and more acceptable, naturally there is going to be more racial diversity in our congregations. And humility is a big part of navigating that shift. And especially actively owning up to the harm that you or your people or your organization has done and explicitly rejecting it. Nowhere is this more necessary than within the realities of racism or LGBTQ discrimination. A major part of moving forward in a humble way isn't just shutting up the pain of those who've been marginalized, but actually hearing the pain and vowing to do better, asking for forgiveness. The church that thrives in the future will follow its own calls for humility. The church that thrives in the future will not hold arrogant views about its place in the world. The church that thrives in the future will join others in partnership to work toward the transformation that God so deeply desires for the world. And it will strive to intentionally be more diverse 
which is fundamentally rooted in the humility of asking for forgiveness. And so, as we turn from this time of me talking to us processing communally, may you have the humility to be open to what others have to say, both here and in the world. May you have the insight to make, know how to make that so. And may you continue to watch for the Holy Spirit blowing through this new society and culture, clearing out the cobwebs and bringing new life into our bones. May it be so.